Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And an important time, and it's great to hear Peter Quayle talking uh, about the mark, firstly to me, because at least I, when I hear him talking about it, I know it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. There isn't as many marks as there used to be here on the Isle of Man, but uh, it's gathering pace running into the winter months for the suckle calf sales in particular. And they've had quite a successful autumn breeding new sale. And it's nice to hear Peter's views on the island in general. Yeah. Also, uh, I'll be getting the views of Bill Dale from Beach Buddies ahead of his trip to America. Um, he's been invited there to talk about how they managed to set Beach Buddies up in the first place uh, and how it's still going after all these years with just volunteers. So that'll be uh, fascinating hearing what Bill's got to say. Also, uh, I was at the Wildlife Park to the, uh, talking to the general manager, Kathleen Graham, about the new silvery gibbons that was born. I was honoured enough to go in and have a look at them there. And, of course, the park's still open, so uh, we'll be hearing about that and other uh, new arrivals that have... Uh, or been bred over the recent months as well at the park. They've so. had some very good success with their breeding programmes, especially the endangered animals as well, and oh, credit to them. Yeah, and you've been on another park. That's right, the newly opened St Mark's Country Park at Corderman Farm. Um, it's just been one person's idea to put a little bit back into the community, and certainly it's really, really well turned out. The children are enjoying it, looking at the animals, and en- enjoying some great food there, great pizza. All right, let's hear it all in full in this week. Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. First on this week's Countryside, I went along to the Curragh Wildlife Park. They've had a pretty good season so far with their newly bred animals and additions to the park. In particular, a new silvery gibbon has been born of late. And I went along and spoke to General Manager Kathleen Graham to find out how the gibbon was doing. We're super excited because the gibbons have only been here for just over a year. Nakula and Slamet are silvery gibbons. They're endangered. There's very few of them in the European zoos, so we're the ninth zoo in all of the IASA region to get this species in the first what's classified as small collection. So it's been quite prestigious, really, for us to get these gibbons here in the Isle of Man. And I think for them to have started their family within just over a year of arriving here has been great. And it's just wonderful watching them and seeing the baby cling on and seeing how slam it is so attentive to babies' needs. And we're just really looking forward to seeing baby grow up. Is that down to the gibbons feeling comfortable in the environment in their environment since their move here to the wildlife park in the Isle of Man? Yeah, I think so. I mean certainly the they can be disturbed by a lot of noise. There's a number of reasons why we're an excellent place really to have the silvery gibbons. One, we've got this very natural enclosure for them. They've got the use of the whole island. They've got natural trees, some ropes and platforms there, but a lot of natural habitat. And that island with the lake roundabout is quite quiet, quite peaceful. There's nobody too close to them. They've also got the beautiful views of the hills here as well. It feels good, you know, it's a nice environment for them to be. When I think about the sort of threats that they face in Java, the destruction of their habitat, being stolen for the pet trade, burning down of their forests for palm oil and things like that, you actually realise how lucky they are here to have such a safe environment where they can raise a family 
and I suppose it's a bit like us, you know, I've got a, a little one as well and you really do appreciate that about the Isle of Man, that it's a safe place to raise a family and I think that's what Slamet and Nicola have got here and they've realised it and they're dead relaxed and just, it's great to see them start their family. How often can they have babies? I mean, is, is the hope that they can breed more? Yeah, it's about every three years they should have a youngster, so... That can come down a bit in captivity. The gap can be a bit smaller, two, even two and a half years, just because resources are a bit easier in captivity. You know, dinner's laid on for you every day, so you don't have to scavenge for what you can find. So about every two and a half to three years, they should have a youngster. Now, they leave home, if you, you want to call it, at age of about eight to ten years old. So They stay with their parents that long, though? Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it's very much like us. They're kind yeah. of like a family unit. They're a close family unit. There's mum, dad, and usually up to three kids, if you like, at varying ages. When they get between the age eight and nine, it's time for them to leave home. In the forest of Java, I guess they would go off and, and find a female to pair with if they're lucky. Here, the stud bookkeeper will decide who they pair with and they'll go off to another collection. So... Gibbons live to about the age of 35. They leave home between 8 and 10. So I guess it's a bit like thinking half of our age. And again, you know, our kids would leave home at the age of, say, about 20. We hope, anyway. Um, so, so if you think in terms of about half the age, they live to about 35 and they leave home by the time they're 10. It's been a good year then. A few months back, you had more new arrivals, didn't you? Yeah, we, well, we've had a baby meerkat. Baby meerkat is coming up six weeks old as well actually mm. he was hidden I say he actually we're not too sure if it's a he or a she I, ha I haven't checked yet but is out of the the nest so they they kind of stay down in the the nest for about three weeks you don't really see them so babies popped out and growing rapidly you will have to come quite soon if you want to see the baby meerkat because he's he's already almost half the size of the adult meerkat whereas our baby gibbon will stay very much a baby for at least another year and of course there's the baby lemur as well, that's getting on well. The baby lemur's now leaping about independently and otter pups are occasionally seen, they're just on the verge now of coming out themselves. So yeah, we've got quite a lot of young at the moment and it's just really nice to see. Getting colder and darker at the nights, how long have you got on the park for the public? We're still open seven days a week up until, well I would say the end of October, but actually till the end of the half term, which is well into November. So we're open every day still from 10 till 5pm in the month of October. At the end of the half-term holiday, we go to closing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but we're still open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we open again at the Christmas holidays. We open again at the February half-term and we're looking at whether we stay open from February half-term seven days a week, but that's yet undecided. But over 300 days a year, we're still here, so... Yeah, we've still got another month of being open every single day, so it's plenty of opportunity to come and see all the new arrivals. The general manager of the Kurok Wildlife Park, Kathleen Graham, telling me about the new addition there, the Silvery Gibbon, and what a unique experience it was going into that cage to have a look at it, uh, the mother and the father all holding it there and keeping it safe. So, you know, they've really done well, and when you think that how you know rare they are in the world... Uh, and they've had it a year and it's produced a, a baby. It's great. They've had some really, really great success at the Coral Wildlife Park. And obviously what they're doing is working and uh, what wonderful news. And he's absolutely gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah, and he's still got plenty of time there with Kathleen and the dates uh, to go and see the, the new arrivals in the park.
Talking about parks, maybe not quite wild just yet. It's a new one that's uh, not long opened. That's right. The newly opened park at St Mark's at Corderman Farm has a rare variety of sheep and cattle in particular. But they've just opened a new fur and feather barn and children's play area. I spoke to some of the people in charge, Alison Reeves and Claire Skillen, to find out what's going on. Well, it started way back in the 60s when the late 13th Earl of North Esk bought Corderman Farms. And he was there breeding animals at the time, breeding cattle. During the 70s, there was a depression. His business wasn't doing so well, so he turned to conservation and he built lots and lots of woodlands around here that you can see, which basically started off the different sections that we've got now at the park. The present owner used to work for the late Earl, and when the opportunity came up for him to buy the place, he snapped it up. It's been his vision ever since to open it up to the public for people to come and enjoy the countryside the way it is. A lot of development has been done. You've obviously made small paddocks with rare breed animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got several rare breed sheep. We've got racker sheep, which have got nice curly horns. They're beautiful. We have wessents, which are the smallest sheep that there are in Europe. They're from France. We've got herdwicks. We have Jacob sheep, Soe sheep. We have a flock of Portlands coming on Tuesday, which have been sourced from the island. Scottish Blackface, Texels, and obviously the Locktons. And you also keep the cattle as well, a lot of traditional British breeds that we don't see around many of the farms these days either. Yes, we do. We've got Shorthorn cattle, we have Highland cattle, we have the Aberdeen Angus cattle. The Aberdeen Angus, he actually has a herd of them, which he, he breeds each year for the meat. The thing is, Alison, for people that don't can't access a normal everyday working farm, this is a perfect opportunity for people to get out and look up close to these animals. Some of them are absolutely fascinating, the highland cows with the massive horns, but you've also got the smaller animals as well, the, the fur and feather barn. Yes, in the fur and feather barn, we have a very, very big aviary, which has got parrots and cockatiels, finches, lovebirds. We also have a giant rabbit... We have a couple of lop-eared rabbits, gerbils, guinea pigs. Goodness me, um, the list is endless. It is, it is, yes. And we have an albino baby hedgehog. We have pheasants and chickens and you quail. Mean. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd like to think we've got quite a, a vast variety. It's just wonderful for, for children to, to see and touch these animals. But also, Claire... You're in charge of, the, of looking after the children and the, obviously the visits from schools. This is something you're really keen on bringing on board. Definitely. We want to see kids out in the environment. They live on an island that's full of nature and we want to see children experiencing that in a safe environment. You've got a wonderful indoor play area as well. You know, There's lots of interaction, not only with the animals, but the soft toys, there's colouring and the chalkboard room. That is just a wonderful idea. Yeah, we, um, we thought the chalk room, they can go up and freely express them themselves on the walls as I say safe environment it's all self-contained so the parents can sit down and relax while the children play freely. One of your favourite parts you were saying earlier Claire was the lakes. Yes I absolutely love down by the lakes we have returned swans that come back every year they have cygnets every year we've seen a heron down there several ducks there's also live fish in the ponds it's beautiful, beautiful place. And in the near future, I believe you have accommodation available. We've got three crofts that have been measured out um, and based on the ones down at Craigneesh. They've got proper thatched roofs on them. 
Um, we've done them out all really oldie-worldy, so people get to experience what it was like to, to live back in the day. Does it say there's no Wi-Fi? No, absolutely <laughs> not, but we do have a welcome sense that people will be able to charge their phones and things like that. But sometimes it is just nice to escape from the norm, the hustle and bustle, the, the bright lights. It is a proper retreat. It is. You come up here and there's no street lights, there's no um, light pollution whatsoever. You can come up here, let your worries pass you by, really. So it's only early days, but a lot more development ideas in the pipeline? Definitely. We've, um, we have 250 acres up here, so we can easily expand, which we'd like to do. But we're going to do it proper. We're going to take our time over it. Yeah, we look forward to the future. We have had some new arrivals just lately, though, as well. Yes, we've had Pablo and Oscar, our two donkeys, and they are loving meeting new people. Aww. And can you ride on them yet? Not just yet, but I am working on it within the next few months. So <laughs> look, look to the future, who knows? <laughs> there is something for absolutely everybody here, Alison. There is, yeah, there is. We'd like to think that we've catered for everybody. Um, if you don't want to have to do a lot of walking, then everything is self-contained. If you are quite active and fancy a nice long stroll, then the walks are endless. You can walk for miles around here. That was Alison Reeves and Claire Skillen from St Mark's Country Park. Sounds sick. Uh... Uh, an exciting place to be and lots of enthusiastic people um you know that are there you know helping with it it is it's really lovely it's well laid out and the the animals are so happy in their paddocks and it's so great you can get right up close to seeing them and some so rare and and endangered so it's nice to have them on the isle of man a bit of fur and feather there too oh the little lovebirds they're just adorable all the noise and tweetling away in the barn it was a great environment for kids to just get outside Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, we all know the great work that beach buddies do around the Isle of Man, particularly keeping the beaches clean and every sort of area they've got access to. It's been an interesting time because Bill Dale has been invited far afield to talk about how they set up the beach buddies and how they've kept it running for this amount of time. But first I asked him how the weather on the Isle of Man recently had been affecting the beach cleaning. We've had to call off a few events on Sunday, Simon, yeah. What we're keen to do is to not spoil some of our volunteers you know because they they do a great job but I've just been out today and I'm soaked to the skin you know and it's not a nice thing to come home feeling like that so we when we have a volunteer event on a Sunday especially with bringing children and families we call it off if it looks like it's pretty bad weather and unfortunately the way this has been the last couple of months now it's dry one day wet the next and Sundays have been hit unfortunately but It'll come round again, and we're going out in the week anyway, and the bins are still filling up, which is great. What about the then? Will it will it mean there's two or three times more stuff to clear up on the beaches? Yeah, when we've not been out for a few weeks, it does uh, gather together, yeah. And, uh, and if we have storms like we did just after the Festival of Motorcycling, that brings a lot, because all the, the lightweight stuff which is floating on the ocean ends up on the beaches. You know, it gathers quicker. So there's a fair bit to, to clean up, but we went to... Langness and had a wonderful turnout two weeks ago. There was there was over seventy people there, 
70. 70. Yeah. I've never seen a car park so full. Beautiful day and a lovely place to go as well, you know, because it's a lovely walk right the way around by the, the lighthouse there. And the owners of the lighthouse, uh, Francis C. Clarkson's given us permission to go and take our vehicles down there so that we don't have to back, uh, drag the bags all the way back. And that was a fantastic day. And we've had lots like that, but that was the biggest turnout of the whole year, in fact, with uh, over 70 people. Talking about trips, the Manx gossip has it that you've been invited on one. Tell us more about this. Well, this all started after the Isle of Man was given biosphere status by UNESCO last year. And that's put us on a world stage because on that day, Dr. Han Chun Lee, who was then the, the head of the Biosphere Reserve Program, specifically mentioned Beach Buddies as setting an example which could be used around the world. And all of a sudden, people are picking up on that. And universities around the world, and one in particular in Ohio, who, was, who were here by coincidence at the same time, invited me to go to speak at their university. And I said, well, okay, I'll go over, you know, and it's worth trying to spread the message. And then on the back of that, there's been an invitation to San Francisco to speak. I've been invited to speak to the former head oceanographer of the U.S. Navy in Washington, D.C., who runs a very large oceanographic company. And he is a really senior guy. You know, he's uh, he's in touch with senior politicians. And then on top of that, there's invitations to go to Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii. And the whole thing is just spiraled. And it's amazing. I mean, I can't believe it, really. Ten years ago, I was walking on the beach with a few dogs, picking up rubbish. And it's ended up in this. So I leave the Isle of Man in October, early October, and come back at the end of the month, away for nearly three weeks. And there's a pretty packed agenda so um, it's a privilege and it's a great chance to speak about the Isle of Man and His Excellency the Lieutenant Governor who's our patron is providing a a video as a forward to it as well so it's going to promote the Isle of Man and tell people about what we're about and hopefully we'll see lots of people who I speak to coming to the island to see just how special the place is and and hopefully have a look at our beaches while they're they're at it. Strange thing is, you picture Americans on the on their beaches with massive mechanical diggers and everything, and when you go out there and say, "Yeah, a couple of volunteers come out with a few bags and gloves and sticks and put them in there by hand," I think certainly in uh, when I, the first place I speak is Monterey, south of uh, San Francisco. This is a big holiday area, so local councils, like Douglas Council does, cleans the beach. And obviously they do, like they do in Cornwall and lots of places where the beach is very important to the economy. But outside of that, well, we just, we've seen the photographs, you know, and, and also the big rivers inland. Ohio is not nowhere near the sea, but they have a huge river and it has masses of plastic coming down. So they have a, um, a team which tackles it now and again, but they don't really get themselves organized you know so what the great thing is that we've been through all of that got ourselves organized we know how the system works we can make it work by getting the community involved use social media get local authorities involved in the government and it becomes a team effort and not long ago we passed 8,000 different volunteers in the last four years now in a population of 84,000 it's pretty incredible really so they're looking at that and thinking if something like that happened over there even a fraction of the number of people then that would make a huge difference. So they're looking to see how it works with us so that I can explain to them how it works and then they can use it as a model. And they're all saying that they, you know, they're really inspired by what we've done. So how fantastic that all our volunteers have set an example like that and 
the Isle of Man on a world stage for beach cleaning. How amazing is that? Well, we wish Bill well on the trip. I'm sure he's Lou the Isle of Man proud, uh, telling uh, the Americans and then people about how Beach Buddies got going and how they managed to keep it going in a simple sort of way. It really is, and all volunteers as well. But the beaches have improved somewhat since Bill's been organising the cleans. And it just makes people more aware, doesn't it, out in the countryside to pick up litter or don't even drop it in the first place. No, because it goes in the rivers, you see, as Bill was saying. That's where it originates, heads out, and then gets in the sea. So even if you're on a mountain, you're going to get to the sea. Now it's running into the busier months for the cattle sales, I catch up with Peter Quayle at Central Marts to hear how the summer annual breeding ewe and ram sales have been. We always look with anticipation and uh, look forward to the sales. Uh, we kicked off with uh, Crea's sale at Balaglani, some great sheep there and some good prices and tups sold well. And we've had our own a later sale at the Mart with rams and ewes. That went fairly well, I think. It was just a very, very busy day. People seemed to all want to sell on the same day. So it just made it very difficult for our staff to manoeuvre everything. Every pen was full. I think we had about 450 sheep and lambs and um, about 70 rams, so it took a lot of uh, just moving them around. But nearly all found homes, and uh, there were some good prices, for, especially for the nice mule ewe lambs. Will people try and buy the same type of sheep year on year normally? We did try to get some consistency in the flocks, and I think uh, the textile has certainly taken over as the predominant, there wasn't so many Suffolks at the sale, so the Texels definitely, the and the Charolais are up and coming as well, but they're the ones that produce the best lambs, and we're always trying to improve and produce the best lamb and the best meat for the Manx market. The lamb price has stayed fairly steady this year, so that'll put a little bit more confidence in the Manx farmers, maybe. Well, it had up to Len, which was um, the middle of September, but prices have tumbled a bit since. But the lamb prices were a bit better, and they did stay up longer. We appreciated that from the meat plant, but it's still a considerable piece behind the UK prices, which is our competitor and uh, yardstick. And I suppose it's making farmers really concentrate on their business. It's a smaller window to put these lambs into. It's a small bracket and you lose massively if you're outside of this bracket. People don't understand that they have to be in a certain spec, certain weight, certain fat confirmation. And um, if they're not, we do get hammered. But this week, we saw the, the store cattle, the first of the summer grazed store cattle being sold too. The standard of cattle were very high, I believe. There were some grey cattle, good shaped, and it's been a good grass year. Stock coming off the fields, ready for winter, and some of them are looking really well, so some of those were all very close to finish. And will many of these farmers finish these cattle locally, or will they be exported? Unfortunately, quite a few of them will be exported. The price away is considerably higher over here even allowing for a, quite a high cost to get them away. They are needed and wanted away. We're hoping that our meat plant is in the process of being sorted out and that we were promised at the countryside care time, before we went on that track, that um, we would be given similar killing charges and similar prices to our UK competitors, but we've been a mile behind. But we've got Geoffrey Boot and um, Tim Baker. He came along to the Mart two, three weeks ago, and he had a good chat with quite a few people. He seems very honest and open and positive, and I think we've got somebody that we can work with and that will find a resolution for the meat plant. Oh, it is a difficult time, but we've got the suckler calf sales to look forward to in the, in the forthcoming months. We start uh, towards the end of October. I think the 25th is, we know already we've got quite a lot in on that day, and then there's some lots of good ones again on the 2nd. Hopefully there will be some other cattle on the run-up to then, 
the suckle calves is always an exciting time. It's a, it's the harvest for the people who kept suckler cows all year. They have one calf and it's weaned at the end of the summer and it's great to see those cattle come through. can be a bit noisy, but um, <laughs> and those calves then are, are put in sheds and um, kept through the winter and finished maybe the next summer through the grass or even a bit later on. There's an awful lot of work to it, and but farmers, are, they've got to keep going and sometimes you wonder why you do it, but they just keep going and they, and they make a good job of it and the stock that's coming through improves year on year. This is a slow process, better bulls being used and better cows being kept, so the stock is improving all the time and um, we hope that a lot of that meat will be used on the Isle of Man and that's where we think it's been, we're losing at the moment. There seems to be a lot of drive from the government towards the foodie artisans sort of areas. Do you see many more farmers coming on board with that side of it, selling their own produce? Well, we did just discuss before and there are some that are doing a good job and um, but it is a very small part of uh, Manx agriculture so we don't want to get lost thinking that uh, it's the way forward for everybody because there isn't that scope and the more that do it then it so the less for the bigger part of agriculture, which is producing lots of good lamb, beef, cheese and pork. So I can't see there being too much scope for many more in it. It's like these farmers markets and so on. It's like an acquired taste and you've got to really want to be out and meet the people. But it's not a big seller of our Manx product. It's the bigger picture we've got to look at, isn't yeah, it? It is. And we need to keep reminding the politicians about that and just that that's where it needs and this meat plant which has been a problem for the last um, especially the last 20 years since the new meat plant was built but even before that looking back on records and people worried about it then they just got to sort it and I think it's partly an employment subsidy because there are there's 35 people employed at the meat plant which I mean they need to know what's happening too because it's a bit unrestful not knowing what's happening and then there's so many other ancillary workers that are involved in the meat trade. So there are an awful lot of knock-on effect. And even the merchants and the hauliers and everybody, and the mart, everybody gets a share of the animals that are kept on the island. Has it been a good year for crops this year? Will there be plenty of fodder around for the winter months? Rain nearly every other day has certainly helped the grass situation. The barley situation and the straw might be a bit tighter. Uh, there is still some on the, we're the 29th today and there's already still some some acres of barley to finish off so they'll be anxious to get them hopefully in the next day or so. It's always a job you think sometimes you think there's plenty of fodder about but somehow it's always used and by the end of the a late spring sometimes there's hardly anything left so it is, it's strange how nature balances out even though <laughs> lots of stock have gone out as well but no doubt it'll all be needed. That was Peter Quayle of Central Marts. Good to hear the mart's still going. That's one thing I suppose the farmers like to hear and people on the Isle of Man because I suppose when there was one at Ramsey and one yeah, at St John's, I suppose a lot of more people knew what was going on and some of them went to one and went to the other, didn't they? And certainly the mart has changed since those years gone by, but it's still busy enough and uh, Peter's got some very, very busy suckler calf sales coming up in October and November, so hopefully trade will be positive. Yeah. Does Peter ever uh, sort of guess how much the, the, the animals will get on the day, particular ones, you think? It's usually yeah. there or thereabouts, yeah. and it does work hard for uh, for many farmers that are selling in that ring. It can be tough days in, in the mart, but uh, he's got the hang of it now, and it's, it's working well. Yeah, you can just imagine the farmers staring, thinking that's worth another hundred quid, and Anymore, anymore. <laughs> he does. He certainly yeah. does try for, for the sellers. Yeah, good. 
Just before we finish, though, I've got to tell you about the Manx Bantam Fur and Feather Society. They'll be holding uh, their annual show on Saturday, the 14th of October. It's at the usual venue at Braddon Commissioners Memorial Hall on the main road in Union Mills. There's classes for rabbits, guinea pigs, cats, bantams, pigeons and ducks with pet competitions for children. So that's the Manx Bantam Fur and Feather Society show Saturday, the 14th of October. 10 o'clock it starts. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, I must admit I enjoyed uh, this week's Countryside myself because a uh, great bit of variety. And it just goes to show what people are willing to achieve here on the Isle of Man just to put a little bit back, hasn't it? Oh, this is it. With the volunteers, with the beach bodies, with the country park being open for other people to enjoy. It's just brilliant. There's so much to do on the island. Just get out and do it, isn't it? Yeah, and get to the wildlife park, the new silvery gibbon. Um, you know, they've only breed, uh, as Kathleen was saying, probably every once every two and a half to three years. And we've had that silvery gibbon then pair on the Isle of Man a year. Oh, They've already had a baby. Wonderful news. And baby you... boy, I think it was. And very, yeah. very rare too, aren't they? Yeah, Finlow. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if there'd be many Finlows at the Mart, though, was there? <laughs> <laughs> Not of the Gibbon species. But no, it's nice to hear Peter's views on, on agriculture in general. And um, it's hard to see a way forward sometimes, but to remain positive is the outcome of everything. It is. And I'll be positive that we'll be back next week with more Countryside. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.